Hey, I don't think it was made for that. Just like that video, um, there's times where we, we try to um, fit our life uh, into a mold just because it's the only mold that's available. Um, and sometimes uh, you can be doing something that you're good at um, and you're successful at it, but there's just this inward crave and this inward wonder that when I see Jesus face to face... Did I do what I was made for? It's very interesting because um, there's a guy in the Bible by the name of uh, Paul. The Apostle Paul, he wrote more than half of the New Testament. And uh, he had a very successful tent business. It's how he made his living. And, uh, but he, his, his purpose, what he was made for, was not to have just a successful tent business. Um, he was, his purpose, his assignment was to make sure that he was telling people about Jesus to the best of his ability. So we all have a job or we all need a job, I should say. If you don't have a job, I'm going to pray for you to get a job. Uh, but we all have a job, but that's how we put bread on the table. Um, and, uh, but there's a certain purpose, there's a certain assignment that God has for us. And last week in part one, I talked about two things. I said that we were uh, made to be connected to God and to be connected to his family. Uh, we were made for that. And so if you missed it, uh, you can grab the CD out in the lobby. They're $5 a piece. If you don't have any cash on you, just ask for it and they'll give it to you for free. But we are made to be connected to God. And the Bible says this, that uh, if we pursue, if we stay laser focused on God and the kingdom of God, knowing that we're only going to be on this earth for a short while, that he'll add everything else we need to our life. And sometimes we get so consumed about the things that we need in our life, we spend all our time, energy, and effort making these things that we need better or to bring them into our life, and we take our relationship with God and put it on the back burner. But it's actually the opposite. The Bible says that if we seek first the kingdom of God, if we're laser focused on him, he'll make sure that the other things come into our life. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. So last week I talked about being connected to God 
and be connected to his family. Today, I want to talk about two more things. And so if you're taking notes, I'm just going to tell you my whole sermon in like 10 seconds, but don't leave. To be, <laughs> to be, to be like Jesus and to serve Jesus. So everything that I talk about today is going to be on those two points. To be like Jesus and to serve Jesus. When God made you, drew you in the ground, breathed life into you, the primary purpose is so that we would be like Jesus and to serve Jesus. To be like him and to serve him. Now, there are uh, two ways that we become like him. Let me read this in the Bible in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. It says, anyone who says he is a Christian should live as Christ did. Now, how in the world do you and I become like Jesus? That feels impossible. Impossible. If you were to live a day in the life with Frankie Mazapika, I've got Italian blood inside of me. And so I usually shoot and then aim. I, I usually get ahead of myself and then back up and go, what did I just do? That's my whole life. If you talk to me in the lobby, you're going to see this little raw spot on my skin right here between my eyes because I've done this a million times. Oh my God, what did I just do? What did I just do? I'm, I'm my, my, I need lotion just for that spot right there. What did I just do? What did I just do? My whole life, what did I just do? And so when I read a scripture that I'm supposed to be like Jesus, I go, <laughs> tell me another joke. <laughs> Tell me another joke. Okay, so a horse walks into a bar. That's where, that's where I'm at. And so there's two ways that God kind of comes into our life, gets into our world to make us like Jesus. And the first thing is he uses trouble. Anyone have any trouble this morning? Oh, Yeah. Oh yeah, we got some trouble. The Bible says this, as long as you're in the world, you're going to have trouble. In the very first book of the Bible, God told Adam and Eve in the garden, said, take dominion over the earth. In other words, there's a snake coming. All right, take dominion because the snake came and tried to deceive them. And, and I think most of you guys know the story. But when trouble comes, that's when God starts molding our hearts and molding our minds. Let me just share uh, a, a thought with you. In, in James chapter 1, verse 2, it says this. Dear brothers, is your life full of difficulties and temptations? Then be happy for when the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow. So let it grow and don't try to squirm out of your problems for when your patience is finally in full bloom, then you will be ready for anything, strong in character, full and complete. I'd like to say this, that everything is father filtered. Everybody say that with me when I get to three, father filtered. One, two, three. Father All right, one more time. One, two, three. Father and the last time, one, two, three. God f filters, your father in heaven filters everything that comes into your life. No, that's not going to come into his life. No, that's not going to come into her life. No, 
yes, no, yes, yes, no, no, yes, yes, no, no, yes. And how does he make these decisions? Because he is not trapped in time and he sees you 10 years from now. And there's certain trouble that has to come into your life my life, unfortunately, I wish this was one of those sermons where I'm preaching just to you and it doesn't apply to me, um, because I've got like a trouble. If I were to write it down on the list, I could just unroll it all the way to Galveston, all right? Uh, I, I, trouble just comes to my door. It knows exactly where I live, um, because when God looks at you and I, he sees where we're supposed to be five years from now, and he says, yes, this can, no, that can't, yes, this can, no, that can't, but everything's filtered so we can just kind of rest in our heart. If it's happening to me, it's best for me. Now, I know that that is a huge, humongous pill to swallow. But let me just kind of share this, this one thought through a, a story. Uh, I heard of this uh, wealthy, wealthy, wealthy guy who loved to throw extravagant parties. Loved to throw extravagant parties. And in his backyard, he had this pool, this Olympic-sized pool. And... Um, uh, all of a sudden, he filled this pool with a whole bunch of alligators and crocodiles. And all of a sudden, he got the attention of everybody in his backyard. He said, hey, hey, everyone, the first person to jump into this pool and swim to the other side and make it alive, I'm going to give you a million dollars. And no sooner than he got that out of his mouth, he heard a splash and he turns around and there is this guy swimming with all of his might. Everyone is freaking out. He gets to the other side. The owner of the house comes walking up to him and says, I cannot believe you jumped in. Where did you find the courage to jump into the pool? And he said, well, I don't know about courage, but I want to find the guy that pushed me in. <laughs> so here he is a millionaire, all because some guy pushed him in. Now, he's upset. He's mad. But after he calms down and realizes he's got a million dollars in the bank, that's going to be kind of nice. I just want to say, nobody volunteers to jump into a pool full of alligators. And I just want to say, sometimes the Lord will allow a situation to come into our life to just push us in. And when we get in, this is what we look like. And the Lord is just standing back and he's saying, I know this is hard. I know this is hard. But in about two weeks, this whole season's going to be over. In about six months, this whole season's going to be over. Here's a big one. If you just had a kid and your kid doesn't go to kindergarten until he turns five, in about five years... <laughs> This whole season's going to be over. If you have kids, you're like, in 18 years, this whole season, it, it, 
It's just, there's a season and he keeps in mind, oh my goodness, I see you somewhere in the future. And I was talking with somebody last night when we were having prayer for this morning's service. He came up to me and he said, you know what, pastor, how are, he goes, I got something to tell you. I said, well, before you tell me, I just want to tell you, clearly you've lost weight. You look great. He goes, well, that's what I want to tell you. I've lost 25 pounds. And I thought, my goodness, tell me about it. He goes, well, I've been, I've, I got, a, a doctor told me I have diabetes. So I had to lose a whole bunch of weight. And so now the diabetes is just like, I don't know the verbiage he used, but it's like, I don't, I don't fight it anymore. And he goes, but my wife ended up getting diabetes after I got done fighting the battle. And so now I'm teaching her how to get out of the battle. I was like, that's great. He goes, but it's, it's even better than that. He goes, somehow or another, within the last few months, I've met 25 people that are also fighting diabetes and I'm emailing them every day and I have a blog on how to fight diabetes using a diet. And so after service this morning, after our first service, I told this exact story. Somebody came up to me in the lobby and said, Pastor, who's the person that had diabetes? I said, it was that guy right there. And so they walk up to him and said, hey, I'm fighting. So now he's helping that person. Now he's got 26. And so only God knows, son, I know you don't want this season, but I'm going to go ahead and let it happen. And that's diabetes. And he's freaking out. Little does he know when he gets out, God has built him a platform to help people navigate. And you are God's plan to reach people. If he doesn't use you, who does he use? And so sometimes I want to say this, history clarifies. You see, some of us have been through the season of our life. You know, the season that almost broke you. You know, when you had the divorce 10 years ago, or you had to claim bankruptcy 12 years ago, or you lost the job, the season that almost broke you. And you look back on it, and if we were at Starbucks, you would tell me, that season almost broke me. And, but it didn't. And so now when you look back, you remember that that was a bad season. But you also know that the person you are right now, the courage that you have, the wisdom that you have, the characteristics that you have, a lot of those things came out of that season. And so even though that season was horrible, you wouldn't trade that season. And so now when you look back over your life, it's hard to figure out what seasons were bad and what seasons were good. Because obviously the good seasons were good when you were at Six Flags eating a waffle cake. Obviously that was a good season. But when you look back over the divorce and that was a bad season, but yet it made you who you are today. It's like, mm, I, I don't know if that was a bad season or a good season. In the big picture, I think it was actually a good season. And, and then this thought comes to your mind that just, just I, I think I remember this Bible verse that says that God takes all things to work together for good. And then we look back and we go, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. There, there's good, for, in a weird way, even the bad seasons ended up working for my good. Isn't that interesting on how God uses trouble to make us more like him? We get way more patient. Have you ever messed up royally? 
Have you ever clicked reply all instead of just reply? What kind of moron would do that? Me, I did that. Chris Arthur was on our business team before somebody moved him to guitar. <laughs> he goes to guitar, but when he was on our business team, he used to negotiate with people in the city. And, and he BCC'd me so I would know what's going on. As the pastor of the church, I need to know what's going on. And I replied to Chris, but I hit reply all. Click. And everything I said was not what they needed to know. <laughs> everything I said... When you're negotiating, you're supposed to like take your cards and hold them real close. I took all our cards and went, <laughs> this is what we're doing. <laughs> so Chris calls me and says, hey, Frankie, did you mean to click reply all? <laughs> Two minutes went by. Am I telling the truth? Two minutes went by and I didn't say anything. I didn't say yes. I didn't say no. <laughs> and Chris is like bread to negotiate. And so he knows that when silence sets, don't speak first. And so he's not saying anything. And I'm not saying anything because I'm looking for a bridge to drive my car over the bridge because I'm driving. I know you don't like me talking on the phone when I drive, but I, I, I was driving looking for a bridge. He's not talking because the first one who talks loses, right? And so he's not talking. I'm not talking. Two minutes goes by. Finally, he cracks and he goes, are you there? I said, oh yeah, I'm here. Uh, the answer is no. I didn't mean to click reply all. I got to go. I go home. I go home and I run back and forth up and down my street for three miles. He said, how do you know it's three miles? You're exaggerating. No, I got this fancy little watch that runners are supposed to use, except I'm not a runner, but I have a runner's watch. And it told me three miles. So all I did was run back and forth for three miles. <laughs> so how does that work out for my good? Well, when people mess up on our Celebration Church staff, I've got a little bit more grace because nobody messed up more than me. Nobody, nobody messed up more than me. Nobody. And when I get ready to call someone in the office to say, you know what? I think about that moment. All of our troubles work together for the good in some crazy way. Why, 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 why? Because this is how God makes us like him. Because we are born for this. We're born to be like him and we're born to serve him. Let me say this. Not only does he use troubles, but he uses temptations. Temptations. He uses troubles and he uses temptations. Let me read this verse to you about temptations. In James chapter 1 verse 12, it reads like this. Happy is the man who doesn't give in and do wrong when he's tempted. For afterwards... He will get his reward, the crown of life God has promised those who love him. So that verse is saying, don't give in to temptations. But in Mark chapter 4, verse 23, it actually lists the most popular temptations that we're not supposed to give in on. Jesus said this, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For it is 
from within. Out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from with inside and defile a person. So every time a trouble comes into our life, God is using that trouble to make us more like him. But every time we're tempted to do one of these things on the list or another temptation that may not be on the list, God is using it to make us more like him as well. You say, well, how does he use temptations? Well, see, the enemy waits for you to wake up. And as soon as you wake up, he pounces into your life. Some of us, you'll start having stress, worries, and concerns, and you haven't even opened your eyes yet. You're still laying on your pillow. Sometimes I think to myself, Satan, can I get up first? I mean, come on. Anyone with me? You haven't opened your eyes yet. It's already on. The bell is ringing. Ding, round one. I'm not even out of my bed. Are you with me? So here we go. The devil just waits to wrestle. And when you're wrestling, I don't want to do it. I don't want to say it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to say it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to say it. That is actually building these core strength. It's like your core strength that helps you fight. You know, I know that the enemy studies us because there's psychologists and marketers that study us so closely that it's actually alarming. Have you ever noticed, I've got a a bowl of fruit up here. Have you ever noticed that when you walk into a grocery store, nine times out of 10, the fruit is always at the front of the store? Have you ever noticed that? That makes no sense if you think about it. It makes no sense at all. Because bananas bruise fast. So who in their right mind would take the bananas and put it at the front of the store, knowing full well that we're going to take the bananas and put it into an empty cart and then put a gallon of milk on top of it? That doesn't make any sense. If you load up the cart, what happens to the bananas? So it doesn't make any sense. Who thought of this? Somebody brilliant. Because they studied us. And it's a little awkward how closely they've studied us because they notice that when we take fruit and we put it into a cart, that psychologically, way back here, when we have healthy food in the cart, for some reason, we feel okay putting frozen pizza in the cart as well. For some reason, because we're going to eat healthy. So we can put bluebell in the cart. We can put frozen peas in the cart because we got fruit. They have figured this out. Here's another one. They have thousands of hours of security tape that when we walk into any shopping store, whether it's Macy's, whether it's Walmart. See, all the ladies are listening so well right now. (laughs) Yes, sir. Yeah. Whether it's Macy's, whether it's Walmart, whether it's Payless, it does not matter. They have studied thousands of hours and they have noticed that when we walk in, we usually turn right. See, some of us didn't even know we turn right. We turn right, we walk in, we turn right. 
we walk in and we turn right. Anytime I go to the mall, I usually park at Macy's. And sure enough, I was like, man, I always do turn right. I didn't even know I turned right. And so you know what they do? They take all the fruit and where do they put it? On the right. We got to walk right by. Man, I really should start eating some apples. Put it in my car. It's not on my list. I put it in the car. Now I feel good about the apple that I just bought. So now I can get some burritos. (laughs) And then it doesn't stop there. At the mall, they put the more expensive items to the right. And it doesn't stop there. These marketers, they study us. They study us. Have you ever bought a box of cereal? And you think to yourself, I'm going to go get a box of Cheerios. Well, when you walk into Cheerios, you would think logically, let's find the C category. Surely it's in alphabetical order like the rest of the world. No. Why? Because they want us to come in and go, Cheerios, 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 Cheerios. Oh, you would think it'd be next to Chex Mix. It's not next to Chex Mix. It's, it's randomly put. Actually, it's scientifically put, but it appears random because we're going Cheerios, Cheerios, Cheerios. Apple Jacks. Man, I haven't had Apple Jacks. <laughs> I haven't had Apple Jacks in years. You know what? Give me some Apple Jacks. Cheerios, Cheerios, Cheerios. Frosted Flakes. <laughs> Walnut cereal. My goodness, nuts and milk. I can eat a healthy, bad breakfast. (laughs) This is awesome. All right, what am I looking for? What am I looking for? What am I looking for? Oh, there it is. So now you walk back to your cart like this. When you were only supposed to walk back to your cart like this. But no, they and they do the same thing with soup. Don't they? I just, want, I just want cheese and broccoli, 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 cheese and broccoli. Oh, SpaghettiOs. Well, I might as well get some SpaghettiOs. Cheese and broccoli, cheese and broccoli, cheese and broccoli, cheese and broccoli. Oh, do you see how they do this? It's all, it's not by accident. They've been studying us. And I just want to say that the enemy has been studying you since the day you were born. And the temptations that you have He knows them like he knows the back of his hand. And he sets that fruit out just for you. He knows that this particular fruit, you... But me, I don't look at that fruit. That's not a temptation for me. In fact, I think it's crazy that you're tempted at that. That's ridiculous. But when I walk past this, I'm like... And you look at me and you're like, dude, you're a wacko. Why in the world would that tempt you? And I'm looking at you saying, man, why in the world is that tempting you? You're a nut. And, but the enemy, he just studies us. He studies us. He studies us. And so every time we're tempted, and some of us are like, you know, you might be like the best parent in the whole world. Every time your kid does something bad, you're like, okay. Uh, and you're patiently kind. And you just say, now, son... You need to get better at that. I need you to pick up your room. I've told you a couple times I need you to get better. And if that's the kind of parent you are, man, that is so awesome. (laughs) Because when I tell my son that he needs to clean up his room, and I've already asked him four times, this tone of voice is a light year away. (laughs) It's more like, Luke, I am going to beat you until you bleed if you don't clean that room. Do you understand me? Until you bleed. Now, some of you are like, Frankie, that you, can, you don't really talk like that. <laughs> I 
So God, <laughs> God uses these, these, God uses these temptations because he'll whisper, Frankie, don't talk to your son like that. Come on, you're a pastor. What's wrong with you? And then he'll say something to you in this wrestling match. And so when God says, you are my son, you are my daughter, I want you to be just like me. I'm going to allow these troubles and I'm going to allow these temptations to come into your life. But number two, not only are we supposed to be like him, but number two is we're supposed to serve him. We're supposed to serve him. And in order to serve him, we have to have this eternity mindset. It is so easy. It is so easy and it's almost embarrassing We live our life like we're never going to die, but we know everybody dies, but we live our life like we're never going to die, but we know everybody dies, but we're crazy. Let me read a few verses. Watch this. It it reads like this. Let me find it real quick. In in Psalms chapter 39, verse 4, it reads like this. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. Watch this in Psalms 119, verse 19. I am here on this earth for just a little while. In James, this is my last verse. In James chapter four, verse 14, your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while and then it's gone. And so I know that not everything is as you would like it to be in your life. I know that. I know that because that's how my life is. But when we back up and we say this, God, this area right here, this, this area, this situation, this person, this problem, this issue, I can't fix it. If I could, listen to this, if I could fix it, I would have already done it. I cannot fix it. And because I can't fix it, I've turned out 300 resumes. Nobody has called me back. See, when you don't have a job, your job is looking for a job. And it's frustrating when nobody calls back. I remember going to an interview one time and I needed a job. And the most frustrating thing is the guy that I'm interviewing with says, okay, um, I'll get back to you if we're interested. And I distinctly remember, this was about 14 years ago, I distinctly remember thinking, I need to pay a bill this Friday. And you're going to get back to me when you can. Has, I don't know if, don't raise your hand, but if you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And then they say, yes, we will hire you. Well, how about the first of next month when it's the fourth this month? Uh, that'll be fine. Uh, it's, it's actually so fine. I could start right now if you wanted me to. Are you with me? It's, there's certain situations that just don't, they, they, you can't make them better. But if we back up and say, God, I can't make that better and I can't make her better and I can't make that better and I can't make this better. But I know that I am born, aside from those things, I am born to be like you and I'm born to serve you. I'm born to be like you and to serve you. Like you and serve you. To be like you and to serve you. To be like you and to serve you. So if I only do two things good my whole life, 
If my car is going to get repossessed, at least I did the best I could. If my wife is going to leave me, I know I did the best I could. I can't control those situations. But dear God, I am going to do, if I only do two things well, I'm going to be like you and I'm going to serve you. And the first thing is just to say, God, I know I'm not going to be here forever. So let me keep that in mind. And then number two is we've got to make sure our love echoes. I have a very, very good relationship with my father, but um, about seven or eight years ago, it dawned on me that we don't tell each other that we love each other. And I thought, this is not good. This is not good because one of these days he's going to die. And I'm going to tell people, my dad never told me he loved me, but I know he did. And I never told him that I love him, but he knows I did. And then I thought, I don't want to be that guy. And so I decided I better start it instead of waiting on it. And so I said, Dad, I love you. (laughs) I remember that day. Dad, I love you. You. Now, ladies, you have no idea why I would have trouble with that. All the guys, you know exactly why. That word is like, I love you. And finally, I I started on the phone because doing it in person is like really hard. And it's like, it's awkward. And then my dad said it back. And I remember, see, I live by this principle that what gets rewarded gets repeated. And so I said, Dad, thank you for saying that. Because when you say that, it means more than when everybody else says it. What gets rewarded gets repeated. And so now we say this back and forth, and it's not hard anymore. It took about nine months for it not to be hard, but we finally got there. And we're we're echoing our love. It's now out loud. You know what Jesus said? He said, "If, if you love me, You will prove that you love me if you tell other people about me. That's why every single Sunday I'm saying, hey, find somebody to bring to church. Find somebody to bring to church because we prove it when we do that. God stands in heaven and goes, man, you must love me. There's no other reason why you would do that. And so if you're a guest here this morning, the person who brought you, they think you're cool. Whether they've said it or not, they think you're cool. And they found a place where they really get encouraged and they wanted to share it with you. If you're the person who brought somebody, God is looking at you saying, man, you're acting like me and you're serving me. He's looking at you saying that. And when that happens, people's lives are lifted up in an amazing way. Uh, my brother Jonathan is our director of media and he grabbed a camera and he sat down with three people that just started coming to our church. And uh, we want to show you their story before I dismiss you. Take a look at this. I'm Eileen Riffley and this is my husband, Richard Riffley. But we have the whole informal thing. Now that we're married, uh, we decided to just cut to the chase. And she's Ellie and I'm Rich or Richard, either one. Hi, my name is Sherry Stockstill. This is my husband, Roger Stockstill. Uh, we've been going to Celebration uh, Church for since the beginning of the year. We were invited by Kelly and John Hendricks. Hi, I'm Sean. Hi, and Nikki. And we are invited by the Breads, Jamie and Josiah. 
Rich and I were attending another church here in the Woodlands and um, Judy Haley was a friend of mine and she invited us to come to church. She says, well, I have a, a church that I go to, that I belong to, that I've been to for a few years, and I think you'll really like it. And I was telling her how much I missed of being a part of a church, being connected, integrated into the church, having that feeling of security of having family around me. And she said, come on, I think you'll enjoy this. I'd never seen Kelly like this. I'd never seen her talking about the Lord. Um, reciting scripture. she I'm like, wow, Kelly, what's different about you? And she just kept on and on about the church. And she's like, you got to come. As a matter of fact, I got to leave this party at a reasonable time so because I'm getting up and going to church tomorrow. Would y'all like to come? We were invited by two separate people who actually probably don't even know each other. Um, I was invited by Dave Schombachler, and she was invited by Jamie Brett. She invited me to a Wednesday night. She knew we were looking for a new church. And so I came, I brought the kids, they loved it. And I told him, I was like, I wanna go back. I know that Pastor Frankie says, uh, give me a year. I was like, yeah, right. Three times, you get three times. And, uh, and by the third time, we knew, we knew that we knew, because we've been praying about where to go uh, give us give us a piece on where to go and it it became very evident that this was where we were to park ourselves we own our own business RNL remodeling uh, we've done well up until about three years ago um, a lot of things happened but the main thing that happened is we fell away from the Lord we just continued to struggle and we were broken when we came here after we got married in February we found out Rich's mom was sick, and she was in the hospital for a week. And at the time she was in the hospital, Rich's daughter gave birth to twins in Austin seven weeks early. He needed to be there. I needed to be here. And I spoke with uh, Sarah Stevens, and then all of a sudden Dwayne showed up at the hospital down there. And nobody from our church the previous Bible church study. or Bible studies that we're locked into, nobody came, but Dwayne shows up. She could only see about 10% and could only hear about 10%. So for him to come and make a connection to her, I always thought it was like a miracle that she could hear certain people's voices. His was one through our brokenness that we wanted to get back with Christ and lean on our relationship with Him. In doing so and being obedient and tithing and following through and giving service and listening and just being brokenhearted that we didn't want to do it anymore on our own. We know that He's the one that leads us through everything. Knocking you shall find, seek and the door will open. When we got back to the basics, everything turned around. I look at things totally different now. I mean, in my business and with my f friendships, with my clients, everything, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to go straight with the Lord, you know, and His will and His word and His glory. And that's all I can do is just do it in His will. For, for me, it was the youth ministry. Be able to go home and talk to your children and ask them what they learned. And they're just like, Jesus, He loves us. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I wanted to hear from you. And 
So it was really encouraging for me that they are getting fed as well as we are getting fed. It was, again, confirmation that we had done the right thing. And then Hilda and Steve. Oh yeah, Hilda and they, Steve. They gathered around her in the lobby one day after service and she could not stop talking about it after the service because they prayed over her. And a bunch of people came and joined a circle because they saw the prayer going on. And it just touched her heart. I mean, it really touched her heart. I feel uh, as if this is my home, you know, and uh, whatever God has me in the future, I I'm ready to go. But for the meantime, I'm gonna be plugged in right here. I was looking for something new, something bigger to get plugged into, and I don't know, we just found it. It was, uh, just kind of felt right. Felt like home. I just want to thank you, Jamie Brett, for inviting me. It means the world to me. And I want to thank Dave. Uh, I really appreciate the invite, sir. Kelly, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Sincerely, our family's forever changed for inviting us to Celebration Church. Thank you. Well, I'd like to say thank you to Judy Haley for inviting me to come to church with her. She told me this was going to be the church I'd end up at after I experienced it. And I just want to say thank you, Judy. Thank you for your persistence. And thank you for bringing me to my new home.